Welcome to the Liberty Block recording live from the Porcupine Coffee Roasting Studios with State Representative Nick White. And we have Stephen Axelman as well on the Zoom line. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nick, for doing this yeah. inaugural podcast with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. So when Nick approached me about this potential podcast that we might start doing for the Liberty Block, I realized it's perfect. He's a legislator. We have been very um neglecting of legislation in new hampshire the last few months and i apologize that's my fault i usually cover it but i'm insanely busy with work and school and writing the books presumed guilty was just published a few days ago so check it out on amazon so i am beyond overwhelmed but now we can catch up and talk about some legislation i understand the house and senate are both done with everything almost and this committee of conference stuff to reconcile the two yep. um and then um dictator sununu may or may not sign bills and then veto override in a few months so now that legislation is pretty much done um, what are your biggest things? What committee are you on? What bills did you propose? And what are your oh, biggest bills you're following, good and bad? Oh, man. A um, couple of big ones. Obviously, the parental bill rights. We talked about that earlier. That was a big one. Um, the Some of the uh, medical freedom stuff, we passed ivermectin, um, which I believe went to the Senate. I, I'm not quite sure what they did with that. I think that's in committee of conference right now. I need to double check. Yeah, they get passed both. Did so, it? so that ivermectin bill, for those who don't know anything about it, yep. was a bill to make ivermectin available not 100% free over the counter, but standing order prescription. See the camera move. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It, uh, I'm moving around too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's, it'll, uh, that's awesome. Whoops. You can zoom in some more. Yeah. Let's see. Can you tell it to zoom in? Yeah. I don't remember this. Yeah. That's fine. But, uh, so people don't watch it for the looks. They don't watch it to see me. So um, that would have allowed for uh, doctors to give a standing order prescription, which is uh, medical terminology for once the doctor says a pharmacist can can uh, deliver, uh, prescribe that medication, they can give it standing orders pretty much forever. So it pretty much gives a carte blanche um, permit for pharmacists to deliver that uh, ivermectin to people who ask for it. So it's, it makes it almost totally over the counter or pharmacists gives them the ability to prescribe it, to dispense it pretty much always. Right. So that bill passed the House and Senate, I believe. Do you know if Sununu is going to sign it or not? Um, I have I don't know for certain. Um, I think there's a really good chance he will, just because there's a lot of support um, from the, the Republicans on it. It was uh, that centered. And in your committee and the bills you proposed, uh, isn't it good or really bad? So I did terrible with bills I proposed and uh, co-sponsored. Uh, there's a couple exceptions. We had a crypto bill, I think, okay. 1503. That passed through what the What was house. that about? Um, I have to double check because we proposed, me and Ammon and a couple other people proposed three different crypto bills. I believe this was, um, one of them was the Ron Paul bank bill. It was copying what Wyoming did. Nice. Um, that one got shot down. There was a ton okay. of, ton of uh, pushback from the banking uh, people. Um, this one, I think might've been, it might've been like, just it might have been turned into a study committee i have to go okay. back and look because you know they they change things up but I, i'm pretty sure that went through and passed through the senate um and then i had i had an energy one that was um it was i was kind of asked to put it in and it it would have made large uh solar and, uh, and wind producers basically if you're a large producer just like a nuclear or oil or something like that you would have to uh, if you're if you're committing to a certain amount of energy, mm -hmm. you would be responsible when you pull the plug and you're not actually producing. It um, it's not as critical. Well, that might change with all the things going on with energy, but it's not as critical right now because renewable energy only makes up like 12 percent yep. of our, you know, give or take. 
of our energy. Um, when that's 50% or 60% or something big like that, that's going to be much more important. It's a risk thing mm -hmm. because those are those powers go on and off depending on weather and wind and things like that. Because you're on the Committee for Energy, Science, Sci Technology. Yep. Okay. Science, Technology, Energy. Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, let's see. I, I uh, There was an ESG bill that I... Uh, I think I had co-sponsored with uh, nice. We wrote an article about that. Greason and uh, yeah, and Bernardi. Um, those are two great guys. They're awesome. They they got a lot of great. So ESG is is the um, the social credit score for uh, businesses and maybe even individuals. It stands for environmental, social, and governance score. Right. That in this really uh, dystopian CCP Chinese style communism, um, like China social credit, they track how good of a citizen you are. And they're bringing it to the United States over the last few years by basically saying, well, we're gonna give companies an ESG score right. based on how good they are for environmental justice, social justice, and governance, meaning supporting the government, meaning supporting the regime. Right. And first they say, oh, we're only scoring big companies and public uh, you know, funds, firms, or big businesses, publicly traded companies, and banks. And then banks are giving individuals scores and we all know where this leads, social credit, CCP style. So there was a bill. I didn't know you were a co-sponsor. There was a bill. I was originally, I don't, I don't remember if I ended up being a co-sponsor because I think there was a mix. I never actually signed okay, off okay, on yeah. it, but, but I was originally. Yeah, we wrote an article about it when it, when yeah. it was first proposed. Yeah. yeah. And it had some good sponsors. Yeah. And there were um, some amendments to it too. And I, I don't know if I got on the amendments or okay. I, don't, I don't think I was a, a, like a final co-sponsor on it because I think I forgot to sign off with OMS. Yeah. But I was. But yeah, the I bill would have, would have pro prohibited. Right. Banks in New Hampshire, any financial institution from implementing ESG scores, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. And did, it, did it pass? Um, it did pass through the House after some amendments and modifications. Okay. Yeah. There and was a ton, again, a ton of pushback Senate? from the banking. I don't know about the Senate. Okay. I can check we'll on that. Check. Yeah. Um, and I, I can even check real quick while you keep talking. Yeah. And that's, and honestly, that's something even like with all this stuff going on in uh, Twitter, Twitter sphere right now, um, even, even Elon Musk has talked about how that's really bad for business. Um, it's, it's one of those things that, as soon as they judge your business, if they don't like what your business is doing or not doing, um, you know, it affects, it can affect your interest rates on your credit and loans and things like that. Seconding. Yeah. It was house bill 1469, That's 1469. It. Yep. Yep. So let's, let's check on let's it. Let's see where that, where that ended up. It is. I know we passed it uh, through the house with a lot of pushback. Votes. No votes at all here. That doesn't make any sense. Wait. Engrossed House concurs with Senate amendment. Okay, so, so passed the House and Senate. So yeah, so it sounds like they amended it and then we accepted it. What's the date on that? Oh, oh that was just votes, last week. Five twelve. Yeah, a few days ago. Okay. So passed both. Um, and House concurs, meaning doesn't need any more committee of conference stuff. Right. So that's so they both. So that's going through to uh, Sununu to oh, sign now. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. So that's, that's assuming great. the amendments weren't bad. Right. Assuming the amendments <laughs> were bad, which for the most part, anything that we thought was pretty bad, we we opposed and went to sent to conference. Uh, there were a few exceptions, but so do you know what's going on with eleven seventy eight? Which one's that? Uh, nullifying some federal laws because this really was that the gun off. one. Yeah. Or yeah. Was that the... And, and no. it's just. The only thing I think it's House Bill 1178. This is the only bill I believe this year because again I'm crazy busy this year. It's the only time I went to Concord to testify on a bill besides for CACR 32, the independence legislation. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty important because it's about nullification, which is related to independence. It's right. about guns, which, as you guys all know, I'm the, the biggest supporter of gun rights in the world. Um, and this bill essentially would have nullified some federal gun laws, which, as you know, a few states, five, 10, 15, 20 states, have nullified all federal gun laws. Right. Missouri has nullified totally all federal gun laws, pretty much. Um, and within the state, as long as you keep it in the state, you can do 
anything. It's like anarchy. Yeah. Um, so states have better laws. This, even as proposed, was not even as good as like the worst state, to be honest, with nullification laws. I don't think it was not a great bill. Yeah. But amendments totally poisoned the bill and made it um totally worthless. So the bill would have prohibited state employees, uh, state police and local police from <coughs> assisting federal law enforcement with gun control. Right. Like future gun control and stuff. But so that's decent. I testified in favor of it. There was an amendment that uh, house, the House actually amended it. And the oh, House really? is usually more prolific than the Senate. Yeah. And when I realized that the House poisoned it, I realized that there's no chance in the Senate. So I didn't really care. But I went to the Senate to testify anyway. It was great. Someone came over to me the other day. Someone's running for state rep and said, hey, I, I, I love you. I saw you. You um, testified in nice. 1178. It was amazing. I freaking love you. It was amazing. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, wow. I, you know, I didn't think anything special of a testimony. I just said, hey, I support, you know, gun rights and we should nullify federal gun laws and reverse the amendment, please. So, um, but they didn't. They passed it with the amendment. So the amendment said that but this bill doesn't apply, meaning state police and local police can assist federal law enforcement with gun control whenever there's like any potential crime in the universe. Right. So it just which opens it, it wide yeah, open. Yeah. That's investigating a crime, which I think makes it pretty wide open. Yeah. So so kind of like poisons and nullifies the bill, which again, we've seen this a lot. We've written about this a lot. If you go to libertyblock.com slash like jargon slash poison pill, you'll see what a poison pill is. We explain, yeah. you know. So again, and this happens a lot. This is one of the basic things in politics 101 for legislation is when a bill is going to pass and you're a legislator, you don't want it to pass, you can poison it put in a poison pill that makes either the reverse or it makes it essentially nullified the bill. Right. Um, so people are excited about 1178 passing both chambers, but I'm like, it's essentially does it nothing. Does so I'm nothing. not that excited. Right. So that's yeah. another one example of one of the few bills I am kind of following. That's, and that's honestly, that's pretty common. We've had, we've come up against that a bunch. I'm, I'm glad you testified in the Senate because normally in the Senate, that it's nothing but lobbyists. Like yeah, that's all yeah. it is. And, and so they're going to, they're getting testimony mostly just from lobbyists. Yeah. There are a few lobbyists there, but for, and they were there for other bills. There were a few big bills that day in the Senate judiciary. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like five, 10 people came out. Yeah. Um, Pro gun people came and testified really that's well. That's awesome. That's really good. Like we need, we all, we need to like organize and make sure we have like people, especially for the Senate, like testifying for like each Senate committee, because it seems yeah. like that's where there's. Been well, like I could do it if someone of... pays me to be a lobbyist. <laughs> so, you know, for my coffee roasting or let's, some other big company has has billions. Let's start a lobbying. Uh, I, yeah. I would love to. Well, actually some Liberty guys have done it, but. Um, yeah, it's so difficult for me. I would love to. I like testifying. I've gotten decent at it, I think. Yeah. I would love to be a, a, an advocate or lobbyist if I'm paid, um, but it's just so hard. Again, our side for the House and the Senate, our side has jobs and right. kids, right. whereas the radical left, yeah. communists, don't really have kids much. We're, and don't we're, the, ones, jobs we're much. the ones actually paying taxes. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keeping so everything afloat. we don't really have time to go there every day to conquer it. I mean, when I go, right. it's drive up there. It's not far. It's 20 minutes for me, but go yeah. park, go in for an hour. Um, testify for a few hours, come back home. It's the whole day thing. Yeah. And I, I cannot spend a whole day with full-time work in school. I can't yep. spend a day more than once or twice a year yeah. testifying. On and we, and we have, like, I've seen this in STE. We have the same lobbyists in there every single time we have a committee yep. meeting. I mean, they literally just, they're there all day and they'll jump Can I jump in a second? Of course. Yeah, it's, it's what I've said on many other podcasts and shows. They have the time and money to lobby for the most part because they're getting grants from your very government and your very tax dollars to pay them full time to go and lobby against your rights by definition because you're conservative small government libertarian types you would never want any such grant and that's why no matter what happens they have more power than we do and like you guys are, are kind of intimating right now the senate is where anything can get bottled up because they can just concentrate their efforts on that. And they don't care what gets passed in the house. So it really is a deck that's stacked against freedom, love and people. 
It yeah, really is. Just the fact that the SEIU, the AFSCME, and the uh, AFT and NEA. And NH- just, NHMA, too, New Hampshire Municipal Association. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're pretty bad on a lot of stuff, Well, too. we there was, uh, I don't know if it was this last year, but we're, we've been talking, I've been talking with a couple other reps about putting in a, a limit. Um, I feel like somebody put it in and it got ripped out. But basically, the idea was if there's any, if they get any government grants, they can't use that money to then turn around and lobby. That kind of makes sense, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's, it seems but kind of As absurd. far as legislators, when you're sitting on a committee and you have people citizens coming in representing themselves and lobbyists who do you give more um who has more influence and why why would lobbyists have more influence than a citizen um in energy because they actually know they're talking about these are no that's true they understand how complex the but in general for legislators in general why do they care what lobbyists think uh we most of us don't okay we really don't so less than citizens uh yeah i I would say so unless it's a highly technical issue and you're like they're experts where they're expert they're actual experts on it and even then I mean, we've had we've had things in uh, ST&E like the, you know, the 5G bill um, where you had experts on both sides that were contradicting each other yeah. and they were even screaming at each other in the hall outside of the wow. committee room afterwards. Yeah. Um, like, these, you know, some of these things get really heated. And so it's like these people stand up there. You have experts on both sides contradicting each other and they won't they don't, won't address each other's issues like they'll they'll say their piece they'll say their piece and they ignore it and won't actually come together and it's like okay let's let's drill down on the core issue that you disagree on and sort through that and they won't do it because they don't you know they 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 just kind of spew out their thing well at least the I, i've noticed the industry lobbyists lobbyists won't yeah um i i talked to uh uh, there was a 5G study committee that just wrapped up last year, and, and that's how we got this bill this year. And they were they were explaining how the the lobbyists and the experts that that were supposed to be on the committee, I think, only showed up to one act or uh, commission study commission or whatever, only showed up to like one meeting, and didn't provide any input, didn't provide it, any scientists or experts or anything over the. This was over the course of I think a year or a year and a half doing this. And and we this is like a 400 page report that came out of this 5G study yeah. thing. Um, New Hampshire actually has the most comprehensive report, and I think the first comprehensive report on on uh, uh, you know cell radiation and stuff. And uh, like they provided no input, and then they come and lobby against yeah, it once wow. this once this bill comes out of the commission. It's now just some ridiculous. some lobbyist organizations. I think it is different because so, someone that I think has a lot of power, like Planned Parenthood, yeah. we know that, that there's millions of it's Planned Parenthood or a big Soros donor or some donor. We know there's millions or really billions, actually. Yeah. Um, so when they testify, I know they carry some weight to some legislators, maybe Democrat legislators or ones who want endorsements or yeah. um, you know, uh, money or, or support from Planned Parenthood or non-opposition. Right. Um, so when they testify, does that have a lot of influence? Because when a big organization has lobbyists there and they're there and they say, hey, you better kill this you know, Fetal Life Protection Act or whatever mm-hmm. bill they're opposing or supporting. So I, th- I do think some lobbyists do carry a lot of weight. They do. It dep- and it really depends on – I've noticed it with some leadership. Like they carry more weight with existing Republican leadership versus others. Um, and, it, and again, it depends on the topic and the committee. Um, but certain lobbyists have – like there's pre-existing relationships in there, right? Like mm-hmm. these people have known these people for years. A lot of our leadership are not first timers, right? These are people that have been in there. They've been elected four, six, eight times. Um, so they've seen these people for the last 10, 12 years. Um, and they know these people off and on, I, you know, is there money exchanging hands? Is there, you know, shady things like that? I doubt it. Um, but there are relationships at stake there. And I imagine that probably plays an influence on, on, on part of, 
part of why they push and vote for things the way they do. Okay, let, let me be cynical for a minute here. How many people's career goal or life goal is to be a New Hampshire state senator? Not a lot. Yep. Well, as we see, they want to graduate to DC. Right. Anybody who doesn't want to stop their career there wants relationships with lobbyists. So whether they're taking something now or not, mm -hmm. yeah. that's where the power structure is. Yeah. And by the way, even if it's not happening that way, but if the lobbyists know the governor and the people around the governor, and they're able to advance the governor's career nationally or just their image nationally, their status nationally, then the governor is going to use that pressure on the Senate. So the lobbyists have all the power. Yeah. Uh, well, and especially and that especially at the Senate level, right? I think that's I think that's where you see that influence the most is at the at the the people that are more driven to be in politics longer yep. term, right? They are they do aspire to be a politician. <laughs> and okay, in the Senate. I'm going to assume that everybody talking right now has a pretty high IQ. Um, I'm sure you do Nick White. I'm not sure about me and my son. <laughs> but if you want to hold up a bill, would you spend weeks and weeks and weeks in the House of Representatives with a bunch of uh, hard to corral libertarians? Or would you wait until all of that work is done, show up one day in the Senate where you know you're going to get what you want and bingo, yep. you get what you want. Exactly. And I, I, what scares me about the New Hampshire setup, and I hope I'm totally wrong, is it's so easy to let the House work their, head, their you know, heads off for $100 a year, and then just a couple calls to the Senate or a couple calls to the governor's office to make sure he gets the Senate to do what he wants, and it's all for naught. So I hope I'm wrong yeah. about that, and I think we'll know in, a, you know in a month or two. Well, that's how it works, but that's why it's so important. And the Senate is really bad. Yeah. Depending on who you ask and who the issue is, of the 24 senators, anywhere between zero and five are decent. Yeah. Um, again, like none, none, of those, some of Reagan, none of those senators are going to go up good. against the governor, are they? And that's yeah, almost not you only have to you only have to pressure me. one person. Why yeah. would you pressure four hundred odd people? How, here's the question, though. Here's how do we change this? But but that's that's what I was going to say. It's so important. And what you're talking about is concentration of efforts, like with the FSP. Now the good news is that if we concentrate and get five good good senators elected, we're in phenomenal shape. Right. So if we can get maybe Yakubovich, maybe um, Pete Tarosian, by the way, who was one of the original co-sponsors of CACR 32 to put independence on the ballot. Right. Peter Ocean is running for Senate. Um, although I hear there's a primary of someone who's a bit less pro-liberty, but who's been endorsed yeah. by leadership, which is not appropriate in the primary, but whatever. Right. Um, that's just what I'm hearing. So, but we have, you know, Peter Ocean, Mike Jakubovic, and a bunch of other guys who are quite libertarian. Both, yeah. I would I would say are libertarian. Yeah. If we get senators like that, because you said Reagan, Senator Reagan, I heard is not running again. Right. And he's probably the most libertarian overall. He probably is. And yeah. I heard a rumor he also said he would vote in favor of independence. Right. If it got to the Senate. Right. Um, so, you know, th there are a few decent ones and I've heard a few others are decent on some issues. Uh, you know, Avard's good on a bunch of issues, I believe, and a few others are really good on some issues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, we need to get a few good senators in, but again, it's only 24. So the, uh, 13 is a majority, right? 13 is not a massive number in New Hampshire. We can get 13 people elected to any position if we really want to, you yeah. know, like as far as Senate. So it, it could be done and it's concentrated. We don't need like, we don't need 60 good senators like we would in DC maybe. Right. We need, you know, like 13 or even like five or 10 more. The, the biggest problem though is the money. They actually, do, like you can run for state rep and spend no money. Yep. Like I literally did. <laughs> um, or if you can run for the Senate and you need, you know, uh, you know, hundred thousand dollars yeah, or however much, because, because you have channel. to, you have to go and campaign to a Across much, a, a much larger area. Um, 
And if you're not somebody that's, if you're only known, if I'm only known in Pembroke and Chichester, like, and I got, now I've got to go campaign in Hooksit and yep. maybe part of Concord and Epsit, right? Like I have a huge oh, yeah. geographic area. Now I need a hundred grand or 250 grand or half a million or whatever. <laughs> and so that's, that's the other problem is like concentrating those resources behind solid Liberty candidates that are, that are going to. Then again, if every free state donated five bucks, each one, we're good to go. Or well. Five, 10, 20, 30 bucks. Yeah. hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very it's not that much. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm curious, I'll bring up two kind of controversial things just to keep us getting lively here. Um, what is your number that you need to override bills? Is it two thirds? Is it 60%? Do you know? To override. Two thirds to, uh, yeah, to override a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Two thirds in both the House and Senate. Uh, so yeah. And the Senate is 24 or 14? 24. 24. So 24. So two thirds of 24 is 16. It's only 16, right? Yeah. 16 senators and two thirds of 400 is like, I don't know. It was like 260 or something. Yeah. Yeah. 260 something. You know, the other way of looking at things is if you can't get the governor to do what you want is look more towards overriding and is overriding much, much easier. I hate to say this, when you have a Democratic governor. And if you have a demo, you're never going to override a Republican governor. Don't we have, don't we have a Democratic governor? <laughs> no. Yeah, but, but that, that's, that's the not, whole point. You're never going to override a governor from your not own true. party. You know the one thing that was veto overridden last year? What? Maybe two years ago now? The, you're not going to run out of time on Zoom, right? Oh. You're going to be So uh, there was legislation. And, and by the way, um, this was an issue where the libertarian caucus or the, the freedom caucus or the libertarian wing of those you know 30 50 80 reps in the house made the difference they were the swing vote so on right. the abolishing the death penalty where i evolved from conservative libertarian to voluntarist to no longer support the state having that tremendous reversible power right the death penalty repeal getting rid of prohibiting the state from having that power ever, ever have it again um passed the house and senate dictator sununu vetoed it and by you know like one or two votes in the house and senate yeah they overrode the veto and the law passed into law. Yeah, and that that's because they overrode the veto with a Democrat majority plus a bunch of Republicans. Was with this Republic back when Democrats had the majority of the House? Uh, no, but that, if that was, was like two years, years ago, ago. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe that was when yeah, they had the majority. Yeah. But it, it, even if they didn't, they had all the Democrats wanting to override. Yeah, but what I'm saying is there are plenty of Republicans. Again, yes, there are some who worship Sununu, but there are a lot who will go against them publicly and privately. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What I'm saying is yeah. if you have a Republican governor, you're not getting 260 Republicans to override him. And yeah, I Democrats, agree that, that they, it's easier for right, them to fight Democrats. The Democrats yeah. are not going to vote with Republicans unless it's an unusual issue like right. death penalty. So you're much more likely to override a governor who's not on your party. Yeah, so we've we thought about this. Where Get, beating Sununu right now because of who he is, his last name, him, his brother is WEF, his dad was Mr. You know, Bush, uh, Senator, whatever, right. cabinet. Um, you know, he has a powerful family dynasty, obviously. Right now, it would take us realistically 5, 10, 20 million and to beat him. And even that, with that, it's no, not a guarantee. Whereas for under a million, we can get 300 members of the House. And yeah. we can get 16 members of the Senate right, for, under, for a few million. Right? Yeah. So, so it, like he said, he's right. It's easier. And once we have two thirds in the House and Senate, nothing in the world matters. That's all yeah. that matters in the universe. Yeah. Right. So it's much it. easier. As much as I, I don't like, you know, voting for Democrats because they can do so much damage. But when you're talking towards overriding, it's a thousand times easier. We, you know, the House and Senate nationally, 
were much more likely to oppose Obama than Trump, even if they did the exact same thing. And then to bring up the S word, which I'm proud of you, uh, Ali, you haven't brought it up yet. Once a state is independent and you don't have the governor looking to become a national officer, it's easier to rein him in and keep right. him looking at what's good for the state. But a governor nowadays, the way it's set up, is always looking much more. 75% of his energy is how to get to Washington. 25% is what's actually good for my state. So I think those are always just two ingredients always worth thinking about when you're looking about, you know, who to fight for to, to run and how the government's going to, you know, work for or against you. You got to keep those two things. You know, Sununu is most likely going to crush it. It'll be interesting to see if that resolve movement, you know, Teresa's movement goes anywhere. And if he crushes it, the way I see it, he takes that as a mandate to say, see, I'm going to keep doing more of what I've done and make it even easier to crush the Freedom Caucus and Libertarians, et cetera. I think it's, again, it's gonna be fascinating to see between now and the summer, what he signs from the Freedom Caucus bills and what he vetoes. That's gonna, you know, tell a lot. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, all I know is his popularity is plummeting. That's all I know. Is it really? So I, I haven't followed any of the polls or anything. Yeah. Is it really? No, I, I don't know about polls. All I know is everyone I talk to, those who know what's going on, legislators, activists, voters in well, primaries. Yeah, more those people, those more people are waking up to what's yeah. going on. Like a lot of people, again, through the COVID stuff, especially the first year of COVID, a lot of people, including myself, were kind of asleep at the wheel, just like, okay, whatever, going to go about my life. You know, like I, I, it took me six months into COVID before I was like, yep. wow, this is, this stuff's batshit crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> even, you know, even I think early on March, April, I was like, this is so suspicious. This is so weird of 2020. Right. I'm yeah. like, this something seems off to me. Like yeah. what? I'm not seeing people dying in the streets, but they're acting like millions are dying in the streets every day. Yeah. And it was just seemed really off. And I, again, I was at work and I saw hospitals and nursing homes. Um, yeah. And this wasn't a massive difference. People were saying, oh, you're a paramedic. So you're seeing a million dead bodies a day. And I'm like, no, literally there's no difference in my work. Yeah. Nothing's like, my shifts aren't busier. I'm not seeing more COVID. I'm seeing more COVID tests, more masks. We're yelling about masks and, and vaccines of it, but I'm not seeing anything different actually. Right. Um, you know, and I spoke to my friends in New York City where it was supposedly the worst. And most of the EMTs and medics said things are pretty much the same. Yep. You know, it's it's like a, a, a bit of a bad flu season, so a bit more sickness, um, but not bodies piling up in the streets. Isn't New York where they brought in like one of the aircraft carriers or something? And then well, they brought in a big boat. So the yeah. Navy ships went to New York, went to the West Coast. Yeah. And they didn't use, I think, a single patient. Yeah, it was, gone, it was gone like after a week or two. Ridiculous. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, the, story, the story this morning on WABC New York City is expected to enter the high COVID-19 alert level in the coming days. And health officials are strongly recommending wearing masks in public indoor settings. Um, so they haven't yet totally given up on this, which is, again, why it's going to be interesting if the COVID bills are signed by the governor or not. Now, I know they're all excited they got him. They passed the bill that he agreed to in that letter, the whole budget kerfuffle last the year, and then that letter saying, I'm going to let you change the emergency declaration rules or something, but he right. still has to sign that, correct? Uh, that was part of the, the original thing was in the budget. So that's already signed. Last and year, there was something in the budget that limited his SOE a bit, but he said he'll give us a lot more SOE reform this year, right? Right. right. Yeah. And that, I believe, was passed this year. I think he still has to sign something, and that's going to show a lot. But, you right. know, New York City hasn't yet given up. I don't know if New Hampshire has yet given up. I think the Libertarians and the Freedom Caucus has won that battle, but who knows? I'm just yeah. saying, if Sununu wins, which I think he's on a trajectory to win, 
And he just says, so. look, I was right, you were wrong, and the public wants what I'm selling. Who's running against him as a Democrat? Anybody know? Yeah, well, Tom Sherman's the only Democrat announced, I believe. Yeah, that's the only one I've He's heard. A, a doctor of some sort. He's a, a socialist from the seacoast, I believe. And has he run against him before? No. He's a senator. He's big leftist socialist. And I'm curious what the polling is. I'm assuming it's a 50-50 state. I would, well, I would assume Sununu's. Definitely not 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, How much did Sununu win by his first term? In the first one, in the general, I don't know. Uh, well, that's not last year, no, because I don't think Sununu is a, a dark red state when it comes to governors. Didn't you have a Democrat governor before that? Yeah, yeah, Hassan, it was Maggie Hassan, our senator. Yeah. Okay, so I don't. You're not in a you know seventy thirty red state. Well, it's not hundred percent, but but right now, again, I, I can't speak for before I moved here. You know, twenty fifteen. Maggie Hassan, correct me if I'm wrong. You were here in like under Maggie Hassan. Yeah. Okay. She was not the Maggie Hassan of twenty fifteen was not a full-on communist, right? Um, when she was elected, she didn't run as a communist. Not really, okay. yeah, no. Different world. 2015 was a different world where there were still some almost moderate Democrats. Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire at that time, her in that place in that time was moderate. Yeah. Now Maggie she's, Hassan in the Senate is, is essentially- She's shifted with the yeah, party yeah, yeah, away exactly. further left. Now, yeah. right now, I, with what Democrats are, they're openly Marxists. They're, they're Xi Jinping style, communist, authoritarian, essentially Nazis, fascists. I don't think they could get elected governor without massive, massive cheating. And so someone like Sherman, Sununu is not that popular. He's plummeting popularity. He's a dictator. He's a moderate Democrat pretty much when he governs. Um, but someone like Sherman, who, again, doesn't have much going for him, he's not young and pretty like an AOC, he's not a great speaker like some other leftists, right. Sherman has nothing going for him. He's, I'm an old white male doctor, um, again, ironic how they're all old white males, um, and he's a big socialist saying, he'll ban all guns, increase taxes, and limit freedom, you know, abolish and freedom. That, and that's he has not, nothing going for him. And honestly, that's not even- He can't get elected in I don't think that's most Democrats in the state are that. I think I think there's that core 30%. That's that's kind of going along with whatever these progressive crazy Democrats are. But I think most of your more moderate Democrats are like, wow, these people are effing crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like they're now, there's looking a in lot 2020 in 2020. Sununu won 65 to 33 against yep, Dan yep. Peltis. Yep. Yeah, um, that was a blowout. Supposedly, Sununu has lost a lot of support amongst Republicans. So I don't know if he'll still crush it that way. And by the way, I'm not advocating for this. I'm saying it should be out there as a question mark. Should Republicans let him lose, get the bad incumbent out of office? It's only a two-year term and a strong legislator, legislature should be able to block most things. And I just think that thought needs to be out there. I and many not others something. will not vote for Sununu. So I'm going to vote for Noda or someone else, right in someone else. I won't vote for Sherman. Obviously, he's even worse. Who but else is I, I can't vote for Sununu. Right Who primary? In the primary, yeah. There's Karen Testament. There's a guy named um, Thad Riley. Julian Aciard made it official. He's switching. Okay. So Julian Aciard, who again is running as a libertarian Republican, is running for governor. Um, and, you know, he says he may have some potential big endorsements of donors. So we'll see how serious that campaign is. Um, again, can he beat Sununu as he's seen as an um, as old, serious, amazing statesman? Okay, here we go. I don't know, but I've seen crazier things happen. All right. Yeah. Sununu's first election in 1834, I think it was. No, I'm sorry. 2016. <laughs> He won 49 to 46.7. Yep. yep. You're a teeter-totter state generally yep. when you don't have power of incumbency. And if, you know, 30% of Republicans stayed home, he is in danger of actually losing. And again, I just want to put it out there. 
because you have a two-year governorship, there's less damage they can do than four-year governors, like in Texas and other places. And I just think it's a thought worth considering. Is it better yeah. if he wins or loses? I'll give my honest opinion on it. I'm not going to vote for Sanu, meaning if he loses, people will say, ah, Lou, if we get Sherman, we'll have gun control and it's your fault. Okay, I've thought about all these things. I cannot vote for him. What he did, I gave him like six months of benefit of the doubt of grace. Um, after like two years of him abusing me, forcing me to postpone my wedding, hurting my friends and family and myself, yeah. hurting us. He shut down my gym. My health suffered because of that. He shut down gyms. You know, who knows how many millions more died of heart disease because the gyms were forced to shut. He would send men with guns to kill you. He had men with guns enforcing this or essentially threatening half a, the gyms. Half yeah. a million people, depending on yeah. what, what studies so he, you look at. Yeah, yeah. He, he killed jobs. He killed the economy for, for two years. For 16 months, he shut out legislature, meaning you and others. He shut out and said, I'm, dicta I'm yep. ruling as a dictator, like a certain high chancellor of Germany that shall not be named, said, I am dictator, no more legislature for the next year. You know, similar thing happened in 1930 in Germany. It's yeah. a very similar thing. Appointed himself high chancellor. So after two, 16 months of that, two years essentially um, of being a dictator, I, I can't support him, so I won't vote for him. Now, two things, two different things. One way to look at it is it's great to get rid of him, to punish him, to show him and every future dictator that if you're a dictator, we will get rid of you. We don't care if you're the more conservative than the Democrat. Now, the other flip side is this. If we have a, a Governor Sherman, God forbid, then th that really hurts the FSP and it hurts the movement of saying, come to New Hampshire, we're pro-liberty because they'll say, look, you have a socialist governor. So it really hurts the reputation of our state. That's the other way of looking at it. But that's the, other issue. the flip side to that is, even if we had Sherman as governor, I think we're going to gain in the House oh, yes. and probably the Senate yeah. overwhelmingly. I think we'll have a, a, at least one liberty person in the Senate. And I think we're probably going to gain. Well, I don't want to put a number out, but I think we're going to gain seats in the House for sure, because just because so many people are people are pissed off at schools right now. Yep. And people like people are people are tired of all this crazy leftist stuff like your moderates and even Democrats. There are Democrats that are like, I'm going to vote Republican because I don't agree with this really crazy stuff. We, we really have to abolish the government school system. And again, I know we got to move it over to window right now. It's probably not in the Republican Party plank, the Republican the GOP plank platform. It's probably like we support some school choice, maybe a little bit, possibly. Um, but we need eventually the next few years to get into the platform and eventually get state reps to go on record and propose bills abolishing the government school system or allowing for 100% choice, meaning don't abolish it, like don't tear down the buildings, but make it so that there is simple tuition, not from taxes, collective pool. If people want to go to those same yeah. schools run by the government, they should pay the same, you know, $18,000 a year. But I think if they do abolishing it, isn't it in our constitution? Like we we have we have it's New Hampshire Supreme Court rulings and yeah. right exactly so like abolishing it outright would require um, an amendment to an amendment maybe, to the Constitution yeah. or some really you yeah know, interesting but what we could do is allow for total school choice right and again, exactly people say no I love government schools we can't abolish them okay pay for it yourself don't use men with guns right. to force me with violence to pay for it right because I'm never going to use them. When we yeah. have kids, we're going to homeschool 100%. Yep. Meaning I'm never going to use these terrible, disgusting schools that I opposed even before corona fascism, before the disgusting CRT racism, teaching that whites are inherently evil and males are inherently toxic, yep. and before the perversion. So before CRT, corona fascism, and disgusting sexualization, those three massive reasons. Even before that, I was going to homeschool, but now we're definitely going to homeschool. Yep. And a lot of others are, are as well. And I, and I don't even want to pay for it. You shouldn't force me with a gun to pay for it. Right. So you're making, you're you're making a really good point about the state's reputation, because I think that's super important since I don't live in your state. Um, and in that sense, if Sununa were to lose, it would be better to be able to say we wanted him to lose than to say we wanted him to win and we lost. And that would be a big PR thing to say we wanted 
to show him a lesson. The second obvious question is, in New Hampshire, how much damage can the governor do if he has neither house? And I don't know, obviously, what his powers are. I, I think he'd be pretty restricted, especially now with the emergency powers reform. So if we had like a Sherman and, yeah. and a Republican As house, governors go, it's pretty average, a bit less. Some governors have a line item veto, like I think New Jersey, our governor is not. So as governors go, ours is, is I guess, average or less powerful than average governors. Um, and there's an executive council, which doesn't really function like lieutenant governor. They have certain specific um, powers, like approving contracts and, and confirming some nominations. Um, Right. But also the executive council is, is you know, pretty terrible because the governor Sununu he, owns them. Yeah. Um, yes, but again, you see that would change, though. If you had a strong executive council and a Democrat governor, you would have a stronger executive council. Yes. Because didn't they we, would not want to go along with the governor. Didn't we operate for like the first hundred years with no governor, only an executive council? No idea. Maybe. I could have swore there was a there was a period where we did not have a governor. I could be wrong. I'd have to double. That check would be that. nice. I think it's a good system. No, it's just you should put in legislation is, to abolish the governor yeah. and only be run by an executive yeah. council. <laughs> the executive council is five members, correct? Yep. And the current balance is what? Three to two Republican. Three to two. And even if you kept three to two Republicans, those three would solidly go against any Democrat governor. Yep. They yep. wouldn't solidly go against a Republican governor. 100%. So I would say if Sununa were to lose to a Democrat with a half decent PR campaign, it's a short short term it's just worth putting that out there it might yeah we might actually be better off in that way because yeah. there again there is a lot of establishment party that's in established even in the house the uh leadership positions that are, they go they go along to get along and they 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 think that just because you have an r beside your name that you're on you're on their team and it they're 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 less concerned with with you know uh good ideology and good philosophy than they are with oh we need we need ours to win red team red needs to win nick, well, a lot yeah, of people you're, with you're really you're hinting at a fantastic point nick absolutely fantastic point the people who are part of that power structure and i'm really not going to mention names right now because you have to live in that state if the <laughs> nunu were to lose they lose all of their clout Yep. Mm -hmm. Certain people at the top of the party without Sununu are nothing, and it would actually strengthen the Freedom Caucus movement. I'm just saying it, it really needs to be talked about very seriously. That's true. This Freedom Caucus would yeah. get massively empowered. Yeah. Because right now, the, the kind of like the biggest um, opponent or the negative force against them is Sununu, right? Like I talk to Melissa yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. And Melissa the Freedom Caucus yeah. says, like, it's Sununu fighting on the biggest opponent. Kind oh, of. yeah, yeah, We're, absolutely. It's, it's right, gone, and it's Sununu through certain people who will not be named in the, in the uh, House. So if Sununu were down, A, those people in the House would lose their clout, and B, they would have no reason not to oppose a governor. Let's assume they're still really great people, which is a possibility. Without Sununu, they could shine 100%, whereas now they're cowed. I, I really would love to have this discussion with lots of people who have um, influence in New Hampshire, because you have great people in the House who have been horribly, horribly throttled, shall we say, yeah, by the yeah, fact yeah. that they don't want to oppose a Republican. Government. I'm pretty much convinced now, all in against the Nunu in the primary, hopefully, but even in the general, I won't vote for it. Right now, obviously, nobody can publicly in the House say that unless, you know, like they say, if you're going to shoot the king, make sure you hit him with the first bullet. But <laughs> there really is a lot to be said for this way of thinking. Many have publicly condemned Sununu in yeah, the House. Again, yeah, our House is 400 members. They don't get paid much. They don't care much. 
Like they're pretty independent, normal citizens. But not those with the big influence. And again, we're not mentioning names. Yeah. Although but think no, about how much better they would be. Yeah, even Os- yeah, that's right. Yeah, did you hear what Osborne said? What? Someone in an interview said, What's it like to work with Sununu? And Osborne's like, I don't know, you'd have to ask someone who works with him. Because <laughs> he, so, he's still be for a lot like two years ago, I was talking to him and he's like, I can't even get him on the phone. Like you can't even talk to him. Yeah. So, so again, <laughs> since you're using names, assuming Osborne is the fantastic guy who got elected and got into that position. Can you imagine how much more effective he could be if he were not clashing with a governor from his own party? 100%. These are not things that can be talked about in open fora, I don't think. But again, people need to think about it. You have, I don't know if any other state has a two-year governorship, but to me that changes every calculus that there is. Two years is very, very short. Yeah, it's a... I mean, I mean, for better or for worse, it's kind of a bad thing too, but for better or for worse, the governor's elected and they, they celebrate with champagne and the next day they're campaigning again. Yeah. Literally. I mean, campaign cycles are two years. They're much, yeah. much more in check. Whereas the Texas governor who just got reelected has a good two years to do anything he yep. wants before even thinking about reelection. So yeah. everything's very different there and much better for the citizen. Yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons why we're the best state. Check out fsp.org, libertyblock.com. <laughs> Nick White's website says you want to find out more of why we're Order the most some state. Yeah, yeah. All right, before we wrap up in a second, what else? Any other big legislation stuff or New Hampshire news stuff? Um, gosh, not that I can think of. And you want to do this podcast either once a week or once every day. I mean, I'm, so it'll be so often. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking now. maybe doing like a morning coffee podcast might just be like a, you know, 45 minute thing in the morning, just kind of a like a, a news review and coffee kind of thing. Like here's the latest stuff that went on in the last 24 hours, both in the state and nationally or globally, since, you know, God knows what's going to happen. Globally globalists. I, oh my God. I'm so tired of everything that's going on in the world. <laughs> well, once we're independent, we won't have to care much about globalism. I would love to talk about globalism because somebody made the point that globalism is really falling apart because of Russia, Ukraine. And I think that's a fantastic thing. I'm sure you guys saw what India has done now. They're pulling all their grain exports, um, yeah. which is going to really affect the world supply of everything. That is another tremendous nail in the coffin of globalism. So I did think you so much to talk about. Did you happen to see the, uh, so Russia called uh, an emergency security council meeting on, I think it was Thursday or Friday. Did you happen to catch that? No. I basically called an emergency security council meeting for the UN. And I haven't gone through all the data yet, but what I have gone through is pretty interesting. They basically laid out a ton of data uh, showing that that we uh, bioweapon data like they even captured drones of ours that had like sprayers on them. So we apparently were according to them again. I haven't gone through all the data. This could all be propaganda. Who knows? Um, There's so much propaganda going on from both sides. But what was interesting to me was that when the U.S., the guy representing the U.S. was speaking, you could just observing his behavior, his facial expressions and everything. I'm like, that guy's he's full of shit. (laughs) Like that guy's so full of shit. All they did was deny, deny, deny and provide no backup evidence or anything. Whereas Russia lays out all this evidence. So what is the accusation that that the United States government has basically drones with? poisoning basically yeah the accusation is that these bioweapons which we had like over 30 bioweapons labs we were funding in in ukraine Ukraine. um and so they basically supposedly captured some of these captured all kinds of data out of these all kinds of uh technology and stuff and they they were laying out the case that the u.s was preparing to unleash uh was basically trying to push this war further and was potentially 
uh, going to be unleashing uh, some type of biohazard or bioweapons on Russia. And so that's that again, this is part of their justification for what they're doing in Ukraine. Um, I don't I don't condone all of what they're doing. It's I, I don't condone either side over there. Imagine I'm, I'm going to close with an old fogey joke. You guys are too young to remember Mad Magazine, aren't you? Oh, no, I remember Mad Magazine. OK, good for you. So their thing was always spy versus spy. We need yep. a cartoon lie versus lie. Yeah, because literally, I don't believe anything anybody says, no matter what they say, no matter the proof, no matter the videos, no matter the yep. pictures, Especially it's just lie versus lie. And it's really a scary thing. It, it really is. It's like we truly are in an information war right now, unlike anything I've ever experienced. Like it's it's wild what's going but on. But there's no way to know the truth ever. It used to be 20 right. years ago. Now, when I went to school, pictures worth a, a thousand words. And then we had video. Now we definitely know the truth. We don't yep. know the truth of any single video anymore whatsoever. Easily manipulatable. You know, there was a story out fake. there that somebody had put up something and they said, oh, though they were using clips from 9-11 to yeah. show something in the in the Russian-Ukrainian war. So we yeah. don't know anything anymore. It's gotten worse because of technology. Yeah, I've I've actually got a I've got an image that uh, I that popped up on a forum this morning that shows it shows a missile leaning against a tank and it shows it being used like three different times over the last six uh, years. Means. Once in Syria, <laughs> once in Ukraine. No, what's even better is is you know the, the the poor cute six year old girl who died. Right, died like seventeen times. The same it was exact image <laughs> was used. She died in Syrian attacks fourteen years ago. Died in Germany five years ago, and yeah. died yesterday in Ukraine. Yeah, it's oh. just it's crazy. I, I don't want to get into Middle Eastern Israeli politics too much, but the Palestinians were the ones who perfected it, and the world let it happen. And now they're going to become victims of that same problem. You know, Palestinians would show the little girl dying, and then Israel would show her walking around a day later. Yeah. And now that's affecting everybody. We can't believe anything. No. Well, and and like every every mass media story that came out for like the first two to three weeks when this Ukraine stuff kicked off, every single one <laughs> within three to five days, if you just waited a week, like it would be disproven or there would be no evidence. They would make some claim and they're still to this day, there's no evidence to back I've up. I've said forever, since I was a baby, and you can attest to this, since I was a baby, two, three years old, I was skeptical. I said, why? I said, I would always say, why? Show me the proof. Why would I believe that? I, don't, I never trusted elections. Yep. It's actually, you know, it's even worse because, you know, I don't know if Nick ever met Laser, but Laser lived in Ukraine. And when there was a certain mall bombing and he knew the mall and he spoke to people who lived nearby the mall in real time, and there still wasn't agreement which mall got hit and what happened to it. And that's talking to people on the ground. Wow. So. Yeah. What, what do you believe? And not even press people, regular people he talked to and still didn't give us a clear picture of what happened. People should be skeptical and question everything in the universe, especially from yes. governments. Yeah. Question. Right. Which is why I'm not even sure we're doing a podcast right now. Yeah. This could all be fake. It, very yeah. easy. You could be probably you in could, a simulation. <laughs> we're probably in we're a probably simulation. Elon Musk simulation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we have to fly the next interview in a second. So thank you very much. Any parting words? What do you have a website? Uh, I don't act well. I mean, I have nickwhitestaterep.com. Nick White That's just Nick my campaign. I haven't updated it since. Well, we can make Liberty Block slash Nick. We'll make, we we'll make a thing for you. Yeah, let's do, do it. That. Yeah, that's great. So we'll go to nickwhitestaterep.com and donate a few bucks so we can get reelected. Don't donate anything. Save your money. Save it. You'll need donate it to a local uh, a local shelter or something. Don't donate to me. I don't. I don't need your money. Other people need your money more than me. All right. Well, give them some support <laughs> and tell your neighbors and primers to vote for him so we can support independence and liberty. Check out libertyblock.com. 
Check out AmericansUPS.com. And what's nice is, you know, your, your White House looks as legitimate as the White House that uh, our president has <laughs> from. I even built my own little studio. All right, let's go, yeah. Brandon. <laughs> All right. Thank All you right. very much. Thank you all. Thanks.